Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. The Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, BizzleCast listeners. My name is Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle, and I am here to welcome you personally to my brand new segment on The BizzleCast called Bizzle's Daily Rebels, where I am releasing one commentary a day for each episode of Star Wars Rebels. You might be watching this on YouTube, um, where I'm posting uh, just the intro for this. If you're listening to the podcast, I'm going to basically lead you right into the first commentary for the first episode, um, Rise of the Rebellion, uh, which is the double episode that launched the series. Um, I did do a much longer intro about why I decided to do this and my methods and blah, 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 but I decided just to get right into it. So really quickly, Star Wars Rebels um, is about to enter its fourth season on Disney XD. Um, It is in full canon uh, alignment with all the movies that hopefully you guys are familiar with. It takes place uh, right before Rogue One and actually has been building up to the events of Rogue One, uh, which I assume is going to happen at the end of this fourth and final season, which leads to Rogue One, which leads to A New Hope. So it tells more of that story of what happened, you know, as the Empire is gaining power, but the rebellions also, um, you know, gaining momentum as well. Um, I- I'm going to let the commentaries talk for themselves. I will release a longer intro if you want to hear more about this. The bottom line is. Um, there's a few really remarkable things about this series. The first is that it was the first new canon. When Disney bought uh, Lucasfilm in 2012, we thought a movie would be the first thing out. Um, before The Force Awakens came out in 2015, we got Star Wars Rebels starting in 2014. And thank God that we did, because it really displayed um, you know, the, uh, the love that Disney had for the material and the fact that Dave Filoni and a lot of people who had been with Lucas for a long time were brought over to Disney in senior positions to run this sort of thing. And the amount of world building that's done here is amazing. They brought back fan favorites from the Clone Wars cartoon, including Ahsoka Tano. Um, We see Darth Maul in, um, in a very bizarre return. We might see Obi-Wan Kenobi, maybe, maybe not. Uh, We definitely see Darth Vader um, and his Inquisitors, who are still hunting the Jedi. We have probably the best Jedi-Padawan relationship yet with Kanan, the the lost Jedi Knight who's come back in order to train the young uh, Ezra Bridger and their great father-son, older brother, younger brother relationship. Two very strong female characters, some great droids and aliens, everything we've come to expect from Star Wars. Really should check it out. If you don't listen, if you haven't watched Rebels yet, and you're checking this out, you should um, rent or, or buy or watch Spirit of the Rebellion, which is the, the uh, two-parter that launched the series. It's an excellent, excellent opener to the series. And, and if that doesn't get you psyched, maybe it's not for you. But I'm thinking if you're here. It's for you. So I'm about to give the instructions about how to uh, count into the episode. Basically, you want to um, you know, cue up the episode to the beginning. You want to put on a tiny bit of volume, I would recommend, just for the music and some ambient sound. Get some subtitles on there um, so you can follow and watch while, while listening. And I'm going to count us down, three, two, one, go. And when I say go, you should hit play and it'll align absolutely perfectly. I'm going to release one of these a day. As of this recording, there's 70 days until the official opening of Star Wars, and there's about 70 episodes of Rebels between the ones that have been released and the ones that are coming out. So 
Hopefully, I'll be able to do this and have one a day so you'll have something to listen to. And if you've seen the series before, like most people, you're probably addicted to seeing it a bunch of times. Uh, it's so easy to burn through those 21-minute episodes um, that, you you know, this is the kind of commentary you could just listen to on the go, even if you don't have it right in front of you. But it will be synced up to the episode. So again, check out my... Um, uh, podcast with Amon um, uh, and future podcasts. Amon coming back. Adam Dietz coming back to talk Rebels. I've already talked Rebels with them. Some solo stuff as well. My dad, if I can get him to watch some of it, um, and some other special guests. So thank you for checking this out. If you're watching the video, um, please go to uh, the Bizzlecast page, which will take you to SoundCloud, where you can subscribe to the feed. You can also get it on iTunes or any podcast program. Uh, so the podcast is called the Bizzlecast. Uh, that's B-I-Z-Z-L-E-C-A-S-T dot com. Bizzlecast dot com. I'll have the link below. Thank you so much. And I'm going for the um, video people. I'm going to sign out now. If you're listening to me on the podcast. I'm going to count us right into Spirit of the Rebellion, um, or Rise of the Rebellion, whatever the first episode is. <laughs> I'll have the title right there. But I get most of my talking done in the episodes, um, and, and, and so um, Spark of the Rebellion, yeah. And actually, um, my closing thought would be, they could have actually called it Star Wars Spark of the Rebellion, because they are rebels, and they become more rebels as it goes along. They start as just kind of a pirate crew who's helping like Robin Hood type stuff like in Firefly um, they do become part of the rebellion fairly quickly um, but this is the spark that leads to the bigger fire um, that is fully inflamed by the end of Rogue One and I can't wait to see how the events connect so thank you so much for joining me video listeners bizzlecast.com and audio listeners here comes the countdown so queue up to zero 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 um you know, I, this is a no commercial version, obviously, so any digital copy or Blu-ray copy will work. Get the subtitles on. I would put on maybe 5 to 10% ambient sound. You can adjust that um, it, just to get a little music. And I'm going to count down. Here we go. All right. Three, two, one, play. Uh, Disney XD. So Disney XD is kind of a weird channel that is like, not the normal Disney Channel, and no one's sure why they don't air this on the normal Disney Channel because most of those shows on Disney XD are just as kiddy. Um, you know, this is sort of a family show in terms of adults enjoying it as much or more than kids. Uh, so it's not sure why, clear why it's on XD. I have some theories about that. We'll talk about that later. So here we go. They begin and end most episodes with the bad guys, and that's very, very smart, especially for these short series to continue to build suspense in the larger plot. The Grand Inquisitor, who's talking to Darth Vader here, who, amazingly, they got James Earl Jones back, one of the many, you know, things Disney's been able to do. Uh, I mean, even in the Clone Wars, you know, the, a lot of the voices, Yoda, for example, they had other people do Yoda's voice, and you can tell, even, even though it was close, they got, when we, when we finally do hear Yoda a few episodes in, Here's the Grand Inquisitor, a fan favorite, who's the main bad guy in season one. He's sort of the, you know, he's a Sith, uh, but he's not a Darth, I guess. Uh, or he's a dark side user who serves the Sith. Um, you know, this show, you have to just buy that there were both Jedi and Sith, other than the ones we saw in the original trilogy, um, floating around between the prequels and, uh, you know, between episode three and four gorgeous shot of Lothal, the speeder bike of Ezra. 
you see the, the Star Destroyer hovering right above the city, something we've never seen before. So one of the themes is that Rebels, they actually test out a lot of the stuff that we see in the movies. So, for example... If you've only seen the movies, you know that shot of Rogue One on Jeddah when you see the Star Destroyer right over the capital of Jeddah as they're trying to steal all the kyber crystals and, and so forth. When we first meet Baze and Jared and um, and the crew kind of gets together um, with uh, Saw Gerrera, who's actually a Clone Wars and Rebels character who made it to the big screen. But, you know, they did that here first, and it's it's just as affecting even in animated form. So, the animation style is very colorful um, compared to the Clone Wars. The Clone Wars was was a, was really uh, a war movie show. I mean, it was filmed like a war movie. It was about a war. There's a lot of huge armies. This is way more like Firefly, uh, and the comparisons with Firefly have been made by many, and I'll talk about it later. Um, but it's it's more adventure than it's more adventure with a lot of action than it is, you know, like an action war movie. It definitely has these soft, uh, rounded curves of uh, Pixar animation style uh, rather than the um, sort of sharp edges that we see like on Anakin Skywalker's design face in uh, The Clone Wars, among other things, or Obi-Wan's beard. Um, something that you'll notice it depends how sensitive you are to color and how closely you watch these things, but they go way out of their way to have primary colors be empire and secondary colors, uh, you know, the mixed colors, the purples, the oranges and the greens that we all see here on Ezra be the rebels colors. And that is intentional. And so it's playing a trick because when you see him next to Zeb and, and, and Kanan here, the sort of fallen or, or lost Jedi Knight, uh, you know, he immediately seems like part of the crew because he's color matched to them. So, look, I mean, you, you know, that's their that's their uniform. It's a sort of yellowish green, on like on green, with some purple. You know, Sabine's all sorts of colors, but again, they're they're all mixed colors. They're pinks, they're purples, they're oranges. The Empire is red, blue, and yellow for sure. In white, but only but white's only there to contrast to the black. I mean, the reason Vader works is because all the stormtroopers are white, and the reason the stormtroopers work is that Vader's black. So we're immediately establishing that Ezra is a loner. He, he's a troublemaker, like these. Uh, you know, quote-unquote rebels who actually aren't part of the rebellion yet, which is one of the fun parts of the first season is, you know, they're not quite sure if they're part of the rebellion, if they want to be part of the rebellion. It seems like they're just stealing here, and that's what Ezra thinks as well. Ezra's just watched, taking this all in, which is great, but we're also already getting perspective from the crew there, Zeb, and a character that just gets better and better on repeat watchings. And some of the best episodes are his episodes, even though he just seems like muscle at times. We missed uh, a little bit earlier that he sent something about Kanan very quickly uh, through the force. He doesn't know it's the force or that he's, you know, Jedi material. Um, but if you know anything about the force or know anything about the show, then, uh, then you'd be like, ooh, this this kid's force sensitive. 
big guy catches his feet on you. Which was funny because you, know, you don't know if she's talking about Kanan or Zeb or both. She's talking about Zeb, and there's a lot of call, there's a lot of mirrored lines in this first part. Like, who are the you know who are these guys? And then Kanan goes, "Who is this kid? Yeah, who are these guys? Here it is." And Zeb later goes, "I'm gonna end him." To cap off that line from Sabine, who is that kid? Um, Sabine is an amazing character that's sold through the phenomenal voice performance of uh, Tia Sirkar, I believe is her name, Indian American lady. Um, and uh, they're finally, in, by second half of season three, and now in the beginning of season four, is all Sabine, you know, with the Mandalorian stuff. Um, I'm going to be using a lot of Star Wars terms. I'm going to assume that some of you know a lot about Star Wars, that some of you know more than me, uh, that some of you don't know as much as me because you just, you know, have more of a life or whatever. I'm going to try not to be too much like Wikipedia, which is the Star Wars Wikipedia online. Um, I will, you know, if, if it's if it's a term that's important that I, I feel like a good number of people might not know, I'll bring it up. But I'm going to assume like Jedi, the Force, lightsabers and so forth, you know what's going on. And uh, what's nice about these daily episodes that I'm excited about is getting daily feedback from people on Facebook, SoundCloud, and elsewhere. And you guys can ask me to talk more about something or less about something. These speeders are the exact speeders from Return of the Jedi. It was important that there was a lot of things from the original series here. <laughs> I'm the guy stealing that crate. Whatever it is, fair and square. So, so uh, Taylor Gray, who voices Ezra, you think because th- between Luke and Anakin, even early Ahsoka, you know, the young Padawans are always annoying, or supposed to be annoying, or accidentally annoying. You know, some of them, like Hayden Christensen, don't stop being annoying as they grow up. Kanan's already enjoying it. He knows something's going on with this kid. Uh, but, uh... When Ezra is annoying, it's, I mean, like the very first episode of season three, which we have a ways to go, uh, it's because of the writing is asking him to do it. You know, I talk about how, yeah, they had to make Ray a tiny bit whiny and pouty in uh, The Force Awakens just to kind of continue that tradition and have, you know, have growth. Boom, TIE Fighter. This we haven't seen before. Oh man, the ghost. I love the design of the ghost. I guess some people think it's it's bland, but it has so many features, both in and out. And the fact that it's basically, I mean, it's not round; it's sort of diamond shaped, but it feels round. You know, it's like uh, it's like a womb. And Hera, the pilot, and the leader is the mother. Clearly, uh, Kanan is the father at times. Other times, he he acts like a child. Um, but the the sort of big bulky roundness of uh, of the ghost is perfect. The same way that when you first see fire the uh, the Serenity, I'm sorry, see Serenity on the TV show Firefly, you're like, this ship really? This is the one they chose. And there's a whole episode of Firefly where you get flashbacks to why Mal chose the ship, and they thought it was a piece of junk. Just like you know, this seems like a piece of junk on on the surface. But with this sh- ship, up oh, here's Hera. 
You know, I mean, man, they they went from the Twi'lek slave dancers to having her be like one of the biggest badasses and best leaders in the, in the galaxy. That's Chopper uh, in the great tradition of great droids in Star Wars, but arguably is, is the best other than maybe K2SO. Um, we'll get back to Chopper. He's kind of murderous and psychotic. Uh you know, he's from the Clone Wars, so he's he's old by anyone's standards. Seriously, what happened? He did. Yeah. Kanan can sense it. And it's the thing about Rebels. You'd think first, for Star Wars, especially for a kid's show on Disney show on a Disney channel, they would throw subtlety out of the window. But there's tons of subtext and tons of unspoken things in the show there's lots of moments where the characters just have have looks on their faces when normally cartoons or kid shows it would all be exposition it would all be spoken that there's a classic shot of the tie fighter pilot and we had the uh the rebel tie fighter music there's zab who's purple where you know fit matches ezra's hair you don't like the hair quality I love Zeb's eyes. I know some people think they're kind of plasticky, but I, they they really fit him, and they're very expressive. And like I said, the fact that they can make these characters like that look from Zeb there is so expressive. He could have had another line about "I hate this kid" or "He's annoying," but just look on his face. He's a street rat, wild, reckless, dangerous, and yeah. hair is going. Mm, sounds like someone I know. Anyways, like the Firefly. It's it's a bulky ship. It's that's more maneuverable than it should be, but it's more fast than maneuverable, which is important because they're mostly running. Hera is such a good pilot, and they've modded the ship so much that they've made it highly um, agile. Although in the Star Wars X-wing miniatures game, and I'm gonna talk about Star Wars gaming as something that's gotten me more into this and back in you know more into Star Wars even. But um, the Ghost is very powerful and tons of shields and 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 hull strength but has almost no defenses but in the show it, it can pull some crazy moves but mostly you know if you're what you need is cargo space you need to be able to take a lot of damage like this and not blow up i'm about to die and you need to be able to run and get to hyperspace as quick as fast quick as fast but anyways back to ezra the, the, what makes this show, I think everyone will acknowledge, is Freddie Prince Jr. as the voice of Kanan. Ooh, Sabine, he's in love. Man, do they not explore it, though. I wonder if they're going to, you know, he crushes on her early in season one, but then he sort of just, you know, treats her as a friend. <laughs> My name's Zebulothret. Lothal is such a great name for a planet, especially because you can add Loth in front of anything. And it's important because there's Loth rats, there's Loth wolves that we're going to see, there's Loth cats. Ah, hyperspace. Looks just like in the movies. One of the things that makes this show work, even in compared to Clone Wars, um, which I think had even a higher budget, I think Lucas sunk tons of money into the Clone Wars show. I mean, some of the battle scenes in, in the Clone Wars animated series are ridiculous. Um, here's Agent Callus, who's voiced amazingly by David Oyelowo, and he's, you know, he's such the typical, seems like the smart villain, but is constantly getting outsmarted every single episode, you know, kind of thing. 
It sounds nothing like Oyelowo, which shows his talent. He's like Lupita and, and Kugler and Ava DuVernay among lots of young minority talents that, that Disney's locked up, I think, to long-term contracts for across many properties. He, of course, starred across Lupita in the amazing family um, Africa-based movie. Queen of Kantwe. Uh But Callus ends up being such a cool character, and not just because, spoiler alert, he has second thoughts, to say the least, about working for the Empire down the road. I don't know if that was planned from the beginning. We'll have to wait for season two and three to talk about that. Because they sell very well that he's been highly efficient at taking out good guys up until this point, and he has particularly difficult time, as everyone does with this crew, just like the, with the Firefly crew, just like, you know, with Han Solo and Chewbacca, all the best, the spirit of good guy rogues in the past. And so that's why you stick with him. Um, I do think they had to have him turn, or at least think about turning, um, eventually to continue making his character interesting, but at least for the first season or two, um, you buy that because you see other people who are more powerful, you know, and who think that they're more capable also fail, including, including the Inquisitors, to take them down. That justifies his constant failure with these guys without completely discrediting him as a special agent of the, of the Emperor. So this is great. We're, we're not even 15 minutes in. Ezra's already at least temporarily part of the crew. He's starting to have feelings, you know, empathy for the first time in a while. Vizago's a great side character here. I don't think he was in the Clone Wars. I can't remember. You know, seeing them give out food as part of the mission, uh, you know, as part of their mission, is already starting to, you know, defrost Ezra's cold heart which of course is not that cold and I keep not getting to the Master Padawan relationship in this series is the best that we've ever seen Anakin Ahsoka in the Clone Wars was pretty good but it you know it was just part of the larger war story. You know, there weren't a lot of episodes just about their relationship. There's whole episodes, whole arcs about Ezra and Kanan's relationship. And the Ahsoka Anakin story, it, even though the Anakin in the Clone Wars is way better than the Anakin of the movies, the prequel movies, it was mostly coming from uh, Ashley Eckstein's performance as Ahsoka, that that was a cool relationship. Here it's really coming from both both ends, but especially from Kanan as the sort of cowboy Jedi, as they call him. Kanan's definitely not a great Jedi. He's definitely on the light side, but he's just lost his way. And it'll take Ezra and then getting involved with the Rebellion and then having to fight off the Inquisitors, Invaders, and, and Ahsoka, and lots of developments for him to come fully back. He's not a Jedi Knight. He wasn't very far in his training when Order 66 happened. He, his, in the comic, uh, you can see that Kanan, and he talks about it, his, his female uh, master died before his training was complete, killed by clones, triggered by Order 66. The end of Episode 3, Return of the Sith. Kanan got away. And so he realizes, I think, with relatively early on in the series, that he has to learn from Ezra in order to become. I mean, this is this should be true for all 
all master uh, apprentice relationships in, in, in real life other or otherwise, but uh, he realizes that he... Oh, here's the holocron. God, it's so beautiful. I'm designing a, a whole story, Star Wars story, based on the holocron and the ancient Jedi. But uh, I'll save that for another time. There's the lightsaber. You know, knowing Star Wars fans... No, as I was saying, it <laughs> you know, he 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 realizes that he has to learn from Ezra in order for him to improve and he does become a Jedi Knight officially at some point. I think it's season two. Yeah. You're right, I don't believe you. Yeah. He says you're right. But he he he's thinking to himself that it, it was calling to Ezra. He knows that he took the holocron. And he keeps letting Ezra steal his stuff as as a, both a test of Ezra's ability and of you know Ezra's principles and personal qualities. And Ezra really has a great heart. And uh, you know when he gets into sort of Anakin territory or you know Luke at the end of Return of the Jedi territory, where it seems like he's going to the dark side, it's usually he, yes because he's manipulated. Um, and he does have lots of feelings of of anger from his parents being killed. But he ends up having the best heart of anyone, other than maybe Hera. Um, and he's he's more idealistic being a kid, and so he always finds his way back. It, 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 the show could so easily be every episode be teaching Ezra, but Ezra really teaches them a lot too. <laughs> the first of many, many, many violent incursions against Ezra by Chopper. I love it. So, you know, like in Firefly, they're constantly having to uh, deal with sketchy, you know, people. They're 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 on on the edge of nothingness, you know, living on the edge and um, very little money, and so they have to take missions they don't always like, and so. Part of joining the rebellion is that they they are you know idealistic to varying degrees. Mostly Hera, but she brings them over uh, that they should join the rebellion. But it does give them some manner of stability in terms of not having to feed them, worry about feeding themselves every single day. The trade off being, of course, that they have to sacrifice their lives for others and not be selfish. Sounds like Star Wars. So this is the thing about Star Wars. My first thematic thing I talk about is that this is great i love the way he's just spinning around like he he owns the place as well who does that we do that's yeah look at ezra's face i mean this that five seconds sums up the whole show he's like you know ezra's trying to act all cool like who sacrifices himself for other people and Hera's like we do and ezra's like oh shit okay <laughs> she's right maybe there's something for me here Ezra's still processing it I mean look at it they could have just had him have a blank face or, or, or not even have it like why put Ezra in the shot there as animators you want, he's still processing it he's still processing it no, it's, I love it this shows that you know I mean she's a great leader she's basically Princess Leia right she's good at everything she's an amazing leader she's a pilot she can fight she's the smartest she, you know, she knows how to outsmart the Empire at every turn. Oh, this is hilarious. And this is this right here. <laughs> Where Hera's Wookiee 
the the bad Wookiee growl. <laughs> uh, one of the great things of having you know a seven foot tall uh, Lasat, uh, which is the alien name of uh, of Zeb. Zeb species, which doesn't have many members left. We'll see some episodes down the line about that. Uh, is that, you know, he can literally pick up a stormtrooper's head in each hand and just mack them together. It's, it's a little cartoony, but, you know, the, the physics of it work. And it's, uh, it, it's nice that the, in this show, it's not just a Jedi who can be a little overpowered, a little OP'd. Um, we see Sabine too, you know, has almost like Jedi like fighting abilities and they're actually exploring that now in the series with the dark saber and stuff. We'll, we'll get back to you down the road. The, so what I was saying earlier is the, 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 the equipment quote unquote from the star destroyers to the tie fighters, to the stormtroopers looks so, uh, close to the the real versions and they sound and move so much like the real versions that it sells the more cartoonishness of the rest of the characters now the fact that you know two of the five main crew members not counting chopper are aliens zeb and hera um Lassat and the twi'lek um and sabine's wearing a helmet half the time so you know it gives them lots of flexibility, but look, you see with that close shot right there on Ezra's face, how, how photo, um, not photorealistic, but just how appealing and three-dimensional looks. I mean, just because all animation now is three-dimensional, which normally bothers me, this is actually one of the only 3D animation things I like. I usually go back and watch Miyazaki movies or Ghosts in the Shell, um, but they really sell the three-dimensionality. Yeah, he says, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can. This is such a brilliant setup that, you know, they're all starting to like him. Other than Zeb, even Zeb at some level is starting to like him. Zeb is the one that leaves him behind, even though it isn't really Zeb's fault. And then they have to rescue him when he thinks there's no way they're coming back. You know, that's that's what ultimately, you know, seals the deal that that he's found a new family. Now, if he wasn't as skilled, you know, if he wasn't a, um, if he wasn't useful to them, would they have taken them, taken him in, or, or would it have been more of a difficult decision? I don't know. In a later episode, he which which explores his greatest fears, um, in a, in the, which mirrors when when Luke's with Yoda um, and goes into the cave and sees Vader and he sees his face behind Vader's helmet. Uh, you know, Ezra has to face the test um, on the path to a Jedi, and all his greatest fears are uh, are on display in his brain. And, and it starts with just the Inquisitor and Kanan dying, but then there's a great scene um, which I'll just tease where oh, this is this is always fun. Fighting in zero G, um, where uh, he, you know, is hallucinating that he's on the ghost and he's overhearing a conversation that's not really happening, but it seems feasible between the crew members about how uh, it's a shame that he's gone because just because they needed him, they never really cared about him, and that that insecurity is there. You know, um, I think we all have that insecurity. You know, it's like if <laughs> you know. A company's not going to hire you unless you're good, but it's if you're really good, then you have to wonder: Do people how, are people being nice to me because of what I can do for them? You know, or, or do they care? Um, do they like me for me? They do like him for him, but right now, the fact that he can do stuff is paramount. Oh, and Zeb pushes him back. I totally, I'm not sure I ever noticed that. 
So it is it is Zeb's fault even more than I remembered, having seen this a million times. Sorry, kid. He's really sad about this. So Ezra's scared, but he's not surprised. And, you know, and they got him into this mess, which is part of why they have to rescue him. I mean, there is a lot of, like, guilt. Yeah, I mean, look at Zeb. Oh, this is such a great shot of him just being like, oh, my God, they're going to be so mad at me. And I sort of feel bad about it, but I... Surrender or be destroyed. Callus, of course, is a uh, prototype, um, just in terms of the experience of the show, of Grand Admiral Thrawn, you know, playing the long game. Uh, Thrawn plays a much longer game than, than Callus. Okay, so there's a lot of implied death. We, we see Cal straight up kill one of his own stormtroopers out of anger later on in this episode. They're clearly blowing up ships left and right. You don't see murder a lot, you know? Um, and when there are, like, when they run into Maul down the road, Darth Maul, or what's left of Darth Maul down the road, Ezra has a chance for a straight up execution on the bad guy. He doesn't do it. I love this exchange, because this sells the whole cruise dynamic. What? The cares <laughs> rallies. Yeah, that's mom. You know, when mom calls you by your full name, you know she's angry. Cares Borealis. I don't know how they did the character design on this. I'm currently slowly working my way through the A New Dawn, the novel that preceded this, and talks about Hera and Kanan leading up to this and how they met each other and the ghost crew came together. And there's a lot of talk about other aliens in the books. So I'm having trouble getting through it because I just want to hear about Hera and Kanan. So this is the first meeting between Callus, Jabba. He, he, this is a recurring thing. He refers to himself as Jabba. Which is, you know, the worst alias ever, because Jabba the Hutt's probably known by everyone across the galaxy, at least his name. But this is this is the Thrawn thing here. You know, he he's touching him, he's smelling him, and he's going, You're bait. You know, Callus knows more than Ezra what the what the rebels are like, because he's been dealing with them. That the, that they never leave anybody behind at the risk of their own lives. And uh Ezra's escape here, Callus will never forget this, and he's constantly warning his, you know, subordinates or even superiors not to underestimate the boy, and they always do, of course, being the Empire. And Callus actually gets satisfaction out of the fact that that he keeps escaping, and so the turn of Callus down the road actually makes this is going to be great in a second, but really quickly, the turn of Callus down the road makes so much sense because he become you know it, it's not uncommon for bad guys to respect their ad, to respect the good guys who are their adversaries you know when they constantly escape their grasp but he that turns into actual respect for them as people and then respect for the rebels in general and that leads to him turning here we go james arnold taylor i believe is the plays obi-wan's voice in the clone wars came back for this which was really cool um there's not enough obi-wan in the clone wars actually i mean it's a little bit of a caricature of ewan mcgregor's caricature of of alec guinness but it's uh it's sure convincing and it you know you almost never want him to stop using the voice he says even his own wife likes james arntella the voice actor who plays obi-wan kenobi says even his own wife uh you know likes to hear the voice which is you know um, 
now they got we do see Obi-Wan later on in this series but it's a much older Obi-Wan and so they got Steven Stanton who's done a lot of great voices for them and other people you're gonna be sorry when my uncle the emperor finds out about this oh it's hilarious he knows he must know they're never gonna buy that Pegasus. Yeah, the stormtroopers looking at each other. They do that a couple times a season, that gag. They might even do it a few times in this episode. It's always funny. You know, they're like the droids. I mean, that's the thing. I don't know if it's spoken or unspoken. It's that stormtroopers are, are droids. Human droids or human clones or whatever you want to call them. They're all drones, essentially. Human or not. And they're all expecting to die, you know, early and often. Sir, uh, yeah, he escaped. So the, the the mini trooper thing is interesting. There's an episode early on in the season where they send in Ezra undercover as a fake Imperial cadet to recruit, I think, or I can't remember what he's doing. But they're all like equally short and they have their own uniforms. It's, you know, it's kind of cute. It's a Disney thing. We'll never see that in the actual one. And smartly, they've made Ezra, you know, grow. I'm hoping in this final season four, he'll be almost normal adult size. Although I think it helps for him to just be short. I mean, in terms of his character, in terms of what he can do climbing around, in terms of, you know, just the little guy rooting for the underdog, I think it it actually really helps to keep him short-ish, even as an adult, like maybe 5'6", five, 5'5", five, 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 but... Yeah, he's already escaped. <laughs> Zeb hits him again, look at that. That, that zoom-in shot. <laughs> so what's great about Zeb is, he seems dumb... But when he really puts his mind to something, he's actually really smart, and there is a wisdom in him. It's almost, it's like, he's not like Jane in Firefly, he's just an idiot. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, Zeb's not an idiot deep down, he just makes dumb, irrational, uh, I should say impulsive decisions at times. And he's also way older than he seems, as we'll learn. Um, he can act very childish. He definitely never has a, f- uh, you know. So if if you look at the archetypes, the familial archetypes of Star Wars, you look at the Ghost Crew. You know, if I'm assuming you've seen this before, guys. So if not, this will make more sense as we get through more episodes. But Hera's clearly the mother. I mean, she's straight up the mom. Kanan is is the dad i mean their mom and dad although with ezra there is a bit of older brother mixed with dad actually and i think that when he tries to be a dad he, he finds he's less effective than when he acts more like an older brother slash friend um sabine is the daughter slash sister of ezra Hair's yeah hair and Kanan are already getting attached to this kid mom and dad they, they they took in Sabine for similar reasons. It's great that they brought in Wookiees in the first episode. They look kind of goofy in this animation style. I think they were still getting their bearings on some of it. Especially the baby Wookiee. But 
and yeah, the fact that they go to Kessel, which is, you know, the Kessel run from the original Star Wars, 12 parsecs by Han Solo, um, they go to Kessel and there's Wookiees and stuff. Again, you're trying to reestablish the connection. Again, we have to remember, this is over a year before The Force Awakens. This is the first major product Disney put out, other than a couple books and comic books. And so, they were already planting the seeds for getting reattached um, getting people reattached or attached for the first time to the amazingness that was the original Star Wars trilogy and the handful of things that did work in the prequels. Well, I'll get back to the prequels. Actually, the adult Wookiees look quite good. It's just the baby looks kind of goofy. Up oh, there it is, the straight-up John Williams Star Wars theme. Right, so, yeah, the ghost can can has absurd maneuverability for its size. But man, do they make it look good? Oh, this is such. This is straight from Mass Effect. I, I think they just ripped that straight from Mass Effect. You know, scenes where you're you're landing right into a battle scene from your shuttle in Mass Effect, and you jump out of the shuttle and you immediately get put behind cover uh, and go into combat mode. So right here it is. Here's Ezra being small, being able to you know climb anywhere, sneak anywhere because of his size or lack thereof. The Wookiees look extra naked here. I think hair is so... Long hair is hard to do in this animation style. And uh, when you look at like Count Dooku or Obi-Wan's beard and the Clone Wars, it's very flat and angular. It looks cool. It doesn't look real. And I think they're making the right decision in both animated series to make things look cool rather than real. Because when you make the TIE Fighters look real, that, that sells the whole thing. Man, the four engines of the ghost, the fact that they have the mini shuttle, the phantom that's in the back, and that also serves as the rear turret, as we see here. The, you know, orange laser blasts, you know, stray from the movies. One of the things I, I realized watching the Clone Wars series, uh, which I don't want to dwell on too much in this first episode was how much better George Lucas's vision of the, the prequels time period and aesthetics uh, worked in animated form than in, you know, live-action form. I mean, I'm not saying that it wouldn't have been better if they had gotten a better actor than Hayden Christensen, for example, as Anakin, or had, you know, written and directed Natalie Portman better, but... You know, he, he was really trying to accomplish, even with his technology and imagination stuff in the early 2000s. Uh, and maybe he would, he would, even today, I mean, just the cartoonishness of, like, the droids and some of the aliens and stuff just work better in cartoon form. And if you've noticed, we haven't seen that many aliens or new aliens, uh, which is some people's complaint in either of the new, first two new movies. Now, with The Last Jedi, again, we don't know. We can only speculate. But in Force Awakens, you know, you have Uncar Plot, um, and, uh, and then the Cantina, you know, Deus. Oh, wait, we'll get back to that. Here we go. I just missed the best line. Ezra goes, you know, when, when, oh man, the full on Jedi reveal is awesome. They stop firing. They don't know what to do. Even Kalos is stunned. It just shows they haven't, I, I don't know if he's seen a Jedi before. On, on the Jedi. 
Um, I missed the exact line. It's one of the best lines of the series where Ezra goes, you know, like, am I the last one to know to get in on the secret? And then Kanan's just like, kid, everyone's about to be in on the secret. And uh, as I, I may have started this thought earlier, uh, it was that if you were watching Rebels, first of all, one of the reasons they put on Disney XD, in my opinion, is because they know that the, the hardcore Star Wars fans, kids, parents, otherwise will find it and it's everything's so available on digital media these days and so many people watch things via digital media there's the app you can buy it as expensive as it is you can buy it on itunes and amazon you can watch it through the xd app with commercials you can buy it later on blu-ray and dvd and the fact that they're running the new season actually like five times a day and doing double episodes it, I think they just Disney realized even back in 2014 how viewing habits had changed. That's the the uh, the Star Wars. Um, I don't know what that's called. The Jedi. It's it's like wind. You know, like wind, like a like a, a heavy wind through a valley. Muted, which which is like the Jedi instinct or the Jedi sense kicking in. Uh, which always happens when Ezra senses something, or, or Kanan senses something, or about something, something crazy is about to happen. Buckethead. The giant mutton chops on Kalos are amazing. And actually, they have him go full long hair as a rebel in the final season. But anyways, you know, if if you if you were in on Spark of the Rebellion, oh here it is. This is great. First Jedi you've ever seen, sir. Just kicks him, straight up murders him. You know, the, the Empire killing one another. It, it just shows how much they're a mob, and it never really adds up that the people that are so high up in the hierarchy, including the Emperor, are able to maintain such a vast bureaucracy and loyalty i mean fear is one thing you know talking yeah in some ways that's why people love tarkin because tarkin and thrawn to a certain degree aren't about using force all the time they're about it's the fear of force uh, they call the tarkin doctrine you don't rule by force you rule by the fear of force but everyone from the emperor to many of the commanders you know all the way on down it's like, well, I'm in charge, so I want to kill my own subordinate. I can. It, it, they act like a mob. And I guess it's sort of the idea and why the Empire falls in, I guess, 20 or 30 years, essentially. because, And that's why most mobs fall. Most mobs fall because they turn against each other, thinking that they're ratting each other out to the cops or the feds or whoever. B but it's really the internal paranoia turning on each other that leads to that in the first place you know it's like you're part of the family until you're not and then you get accused of ratting out the family and so then you have no other option but to rat out the family and that actually happens a few times in the uh, right like Kanan's not going to notice that the, that the lightsaber is gone and we see that a few times with the Empire, where, you know, Imperial agents try to turn out of sheer self-preservation once they're deemed uh, not useful anymore. Yeah, here's Zeb trying to be buds with him. So, I think I, the very first normal episode, 
maybe the second is the, the resolution of, of the tension between Zeb and Ezra. And I'm glad that they do that early on. Oh, look how beautiful that holocron is opened. God damn. We'll talk more about it later. But it was a test from the beginning. Ezra's house in the tower is great. He collects all the bucket heads. He's thinking about where to put it. But I love how he knows Kanan is behind him. I think he knows known the whole time that Kanan was going to come for it. Yep, here it is, the forest. Here it is. If you've never seen, you know, Kenobi and Luke or Yoda and Luke, here it is. You know, in, in the long format of the series, as I was getting to earlier, but also the writing and performance and, and character design and animation of these two makes Rebels really, really, really special. I think Luke Ray is going to give this a run for its money, for sure. But again, we don't know how long Luke is going to be around and how many movies they're going to be in. I like how the option... You think the option's going to be, I'll force you to give you back to the lightsaber and leave you on this hellhole, or I'll train you. But he says, nope, you can keep it. Or come with me. This actually does look a lot like the Obi-Wan from the Clone Wars. The, 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 the conversion of the characters that, that are in both series is actually pretty good. Um, now, they also can get away with some changes because of aging, you know? So the so the clones played by Rex and others are much older, so they can change the design. Saw Guerrero is much older, has to look more like Forrest Whitaker. They pull that off. Man, have Obi-Wan... Having Obi-Wan talking over this uh, denouement scene, uh, montage scene, is is perfect. May the Force be with you. I love how the, the remaining Jedi, we see this with Ahsoka and, uh, and her holocron down the road, Anakin. They sort of meditate to their masters who they are no longer around or think are no longer around. Oh man, there it is, father-son, boom, just like that. And that's how they end it. It's amazing. We're already at the end of the double episode. It so, I mean, went by so fast. It's hard for me to be objective because I've seen it so many times and I've watched the episodes out of order and in order and, you know, all mixed up. But to me, they, they really sell, other than Sabine, you know, definitely Zeb, Kanan, Ezra, mostly Hera, not so much Sabine. They sell in the first, uh, first you know, double episode leading in spark of the rebellion all right folks hope you had a good time i hope you made it through the the long uh intro um starting with the next episode i am going to be uh very much just jumping right into the episode like i said i i think this is i mean the clone wars quote-unquote movie that came out before the actual series started is 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 awful i only stuck with it because i had heard that the clone Wars series got better and better and because there's a lot of connections with um with rebels um but this is a great opening to the to the whole thing so i hope you enjoyed that and i will see you for the next episode which is entitled droids in distress where we get c3po and r2d2 fizzle out